This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, another week gone by and real estate is front and center. You know, folks, I got to tell you, every single week when I come on the air with you, I start thinking to myself, what happened this past week? And I'm never for a lack of content. You know, it's amazing. So much always going on in real estate. You know, it's the hottest topic, of course, at most people's kitchen table. You know, when you go out with friends talking about lunch, everybody's either buying, investing, selling, renting. Um, you know, it was interesting. I was talking with John Moore and um, and one of his comments was that he thinks it's the new porn. And I got to tell you, it's pretty interesting because everybody does talk real estate. And, you know, one of the things I also wanted to do is I wanted to thank all of you for tuning in every week. Um, we've been we've been very fortunate here at Simply Real Estate on News Talk 1010 for the last few years. We've had a lot of followers. We've got lots of people that you know call in with questions and things like that. And we're going to try to continue to do what we can to simplify the world of real estate. And I'll tell you, sometimes I even struggle with some of the reports that are out there because when I look at some of the stuff that's coming out, and I think a lot of the media blasts are to get a reaction or to sell papers. But there's a lot of stuff that we have to decipher. And right now, one of the ones, of course, is that Urban Corp is back in the news. And with them come a whole lot of disgruntled buyers that are not going to get their properties because Urban Corp is doing a restructuring. But they did go to court and they have been allowed to go after uh, the actual redevelopment of the property, meaning that if it does sell to another buyer, uh, restructure that the uh, the actual people that have bought uh, should have some kind of say, perhaps maybe get their properties built, perhaps you know realize their money back, maybe a little bit of profit to it. But here's what the judge did, though: he turned around and said, instead of making Urban Corp responsible to be able to cover their legal fees, the individual buyer has to cover it. And I have a problem with that because. For the buyer, they did absolutely nothing wrong here. And for the judge to lean out, uh, lean on them and say, pretty much, if you can afford to pay the, the lawyer, then you can go to trial. Um, you know what? I think it's a completely bogus judgment. I think that uh, hopefully they can turn around and take it back to court and and have it appealed because, again, some of, some of the people that are involved just may not have those funds. They now have to turn around and buy something else. They're going to have to buy something else potentially at a higher price. Price. They thought they were getting a deal. They've got their money tied up. They've lost their deposits until, you know, the court case and perhaps they get it back. Who knows? But uh, for all of you out there, definitely, uh, you know, I, I, my best wishes, best of luck out there and don't give up. The chances are, you know what, if you push hard enough, you should be able to get your deposits back. And that's pretty, pretty tough thing to have. Urban Corp's a big co- uh, corporation. There was a lot of units under development. And unfortunately, a lot of people are now caught in the wake of this problem. So um, I, I really do feel, uh, you know, my sympathies go out to everybody that were trying to actually just buy themselves a property to live in with their families. And, you know, this is one of those things in real estate that can happen. You know, you, you have all the good intentions and something goes wrong and you're left high and dry and it really does affect you, your life. And there are people that just cannot afford to do it. Uh, another situation when people can't afford doing things, of course, is a couple of people out in BC. Their properties did not close, will not close because of the tax situation for the foreign buyers. The foreign buyers are walking and now they are left 
high and dry. This is one of the problems that I think is going to happen uh, time and time again. And now these people can't afford to do anything. They're kind of locked in and potentially they're going to lose their down payment, or I should say their deposit on the property that they've tried to buy after selling theirs. So one of the reasons why I bring this up is that um, shortly I'm going to have David Ebby. He is the opposition spokesperson for housing, uh, NDP housing critic. Uh, we had David join us just after they implemented this tax. We're going to get an update from him from BC and find out what the market's truly looking like, how many people are being affected by this tax. Again, it's uh, I think it's going to have an extensive repercussion to both their market as well as the individual people that have sold to foreign buyers and the deals are not going through. You've heard me speak about this for the last month. I'm not happy about it because I believe that the government really stepped in it by not uh, giving people enough notice. And again, I always want to reach out to our provincial government here, ask that they would be happy to come on the show and explain how we can avoid this here in Ontario if they decide to implement the tax. Love to hear from them. Uh, a little bit later on the hour, I'm going to have Romana King join me. Of course, she is senior editor at Money Sense. You've heard Romana here uh, quite a few times as a guest. Excellent speaker. We are going to talk about all sorts of things, especially the market, where we're going, uh, the BC effect, and we will talk about the new rules and regulations, of course, for home inspections. And that's coming up in the fall. And uh, it's good. They're going to mandate the uh, home inspectors to actually have a license to do it. I think it's an awesome idea. And, and near the end of the hour, we've got Dave Butler. He's going to be joining us from Butler Mortgage. Dave's going to give us an update. So if the, um, if the rate goes down, what is going to happen to mortgages? Are we going to see much of an adjustment? Or are we going to continue on at these, uh, these low rates? Again, always good to know what's going going on in the marketplace. And so Dave will be joining us. But, you know, when I talk about uh, some of the things that are actually happening in this market, we've been watching, you know, home sell, we still see multiple offers, we look at Toronto and say, okay, is Toronto the next bubble? And I get asked this question, I would think uh, five times a day at this point, maybe, maybe more. And is there a true bubble happening in Toronto? You've heard my explanation of it. But here's the thing, I always and have said this for the last several years, I think we are in a split market. I always will tell people to exercise caution when talking about the brand new condominiums. I think that, again, those are the ones that can hit a teetering point and you could struggle with the investment. And on top of that, I think that the detached market, you know, the war, war uh, style bungalows, you know, some of the old fixer uppers, I think those are going to have value for the next 20 to 30 years. I think there's enough inventory there that people are going to want them. They redevelop them. You know, when we talk about, uh, you know, what can happen, I was talking to uh, my producer, Robert Turner, earlier about it, and he had mentioned to me his neighborhood, you know, that uh, a lot of the houses are getting torn down. You take your typical 900 square foot bungalow and up pops a 2,500 square foot home. Folks, the reason why these homes can turn around and get bigger is that if you take the calculation of your actual property, so let's say your property is actually 6,000 square feet, the actual you know frontage and depth of your property is 6,000 square feet. Normally, they'll give you a saturation in a municipality, and saturation means that you can build a home up to a certain square footage as a percentage. A lot of these calculations are coming in throughout the metropolitan area, anywhere from 32 to 40 percent of the calculation of your actual lot. But one of the interesting points though, of course, is the fact that a lot of developers, a lot of builders, when they're doing the one ofs, what they'll do is they'll turn around, build it, move into it, live in it, 
and then sell it. So a lot of times they're trying to avoid the capital gains tax, and this can happen, uh, you know, fairly regularly. So when you see somebody move into it and they hold it for a year while they're building it, it's that's one of the reasons why they're going for the principal residence effect, and then hopefully selling it at a later date. Um, now, a couple things also always on your checklist should be uh, keeping your eye on the markets uh, as far as what is the hot market right now. Uh, again, BC is probably when the when the stats come out later in the month. I think BC may, might be taking a step back, but we still look at Hamilton, uh, GTA, all very very strong markets. And of course, right now I think we're going to be edging towards twenty percent increase year over year once we finish out the year. That's going to be pretty staggering, and uh, you know I'm not sure about that. So one of uh, one of the other points also, um, you know, that we should be focusing on is the fact that is it time for you to turn around and buy uh, a rental property if you want your kids to go to a different school? Well, it is happening, folks, in the marketplace. We do see it a little, and one of the things that we have to be mindful of is that people, when they buy it, if they turn around and they uh, they buy it because they want to get the address closest to a school, uh, remember, if you buy it, you can buy it as an investment property, but it's not a primary residence, which does not necessarily mean that you can utilize that school. So you actually have to shift over, deem it to be your primary residence. If you're not going to live there, then you have your tenant collect your mail. So it was interesting because we talked about that earlier in the week. And I find that, um, you know, it is happening. There's a lot of things actually happening in the condominium market here in Toronto. Uh, one of one of the other things, of course, is the fact that a lot of these short-term rentals keep floating around in the marketplace. And uh, I was on with Barb DiGiulio this week uh, talking to her about it. And, you know, what we're finding is, is that the condominium boards were allowing some of the short-term rentals and a couple of condominium boards decide to take action, kick out the members of the board and allow people to then... Uh, take over the board and disallow it. Now, one of the things that you need to know about a condominium, you have a share when you are an owner. So you have a say on what goes on. But a lot of people miss going to, let's say, a condominium meeting and understanding if you're just an investor, not a problem, not a big deal. But if you're living there and you want to change what's happening in your actual building, then you do need to participate. Again, most investors really don't care as long as everything's being done, following the rules, that's great. But if you're if that is your primary residence, if you are living in the condominium, keep in mind that you have a vote. And if you don't like what's happening, then you need to have a chat with the board. Go to the annual general meeting. They call it an AGM. This is where people can turn around and vote people out. You can vote people in who you think is going to represent the condominium. This is where you can control some of your expenses. You know, you can look at hiring and firing, different contractors. But more importantly, this is where you get to voice your opinion on your property. This is very important to you if you're going to own a condominium and you're going to live there. And I always keep going back to live there because this affects your day-to-day life. You don't want people that are going to be running through the hallways just because they rented your unit, the unit beside you for two days or three days. You know, they treat it like a hotel. That does happen. We're seeing a little bit more of it. Of course, there's some of the the uh, web companies up that are offering these services. And we didn't see this years ago because they didn't exist. You know, the Airbnbs of the world, you know, the Expedia, all the different places did not exist because uh, we weren't really that focused on it. But now with all the greatest and latest websites, we're finding that more and more people have access to it and it makes it a lot easier. So is it a bad thing? 
Well, I don't think many people want to have a lot of it in their condominium. And if it's on somebody else's floor, maybe the only thing that's getting overused are the amenities. And that's one of those things that, you know, you have to be mindful of. So you do have a say. It's uh, kind of a hot topic in the news. And again, condominiums will remain a hot topic. As I've told you before, I think that there's a lot of issues in Toronto condominiums. I think we're going to see maintenance fees go through the roof. I think that we're going to see management changes. I think that people are going to have issues. I think that you're going to find the actual insurance on condominiums over the next 10 years is going to escalate because I think there's some construction issues out there, but we can talk more about that at a later date. When we come back after the break, as I mentioned, I've got David Ebby joining me. He is opposition spokesperson for housing and UP housing critic. We've had him on before and he's going to be joining us and we're going to be talking about the BC market. Is it tanking? Do they see it going down? What's happening to prices? Because if they put the foreign tax here in Toronto, we could be next. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. As I'd mentioned uh, just before the break, um, I've got my returning guest, David Ebby. And David is the opposition spokesperson for housing, NDP housing critic in BC. And uh, fortunately for us, uh, David joined us just after they implemented the foreign buyer tax. And David kind of gave us a little bit of a rundown on what's happening there. And fortunately now today, we have David joining us to give us an update. David, welcome to Simply Real Estate. Thanks for having me. This is front and center for you. I know that you are, uh, you you do uh, work with NDP Housing Critic. You are the person who is watching this and it's great to know uh, you know, with all the reports that we keep getting here from the media, uh, I don't know if they're overblowing it, or are you really seeing that much of a downturn in the BC market, more importantly, Vancouver? <laughs> You're going to get a politician's answer here. The answer is yes and no. So the year over year, there was a huge decline in uh, the first round of numbers that came out for August sales. And uh, the the so yes, there has been definitely a downturn. There hasn't been, uh, as far as uh, I'm hearing from the real estate agents I'm talking to, a significant uh, decline in prices that people are paying when they ultimately do buy. But the number of sales is down, and there's a couple reasons for that. The first is that um, when the tax was, uh, the date of the new tax uh, implementation was announced, people rushed to get their sales done before that date. So there was a huge crush of sales, a record number of sales before the tax, and then after the tax, of course, everything that was supposed to close after the tax had already closed. And so that resulted in a significant decline in sales. The second reason is a lot of people are sitting on the sidelines right now and they're thinking, well, maybe prices are coming down. I was in the market. I was about to make an offer. But let's just wait a month. Let's wait a couple months and see if prices start coming down. And so a lot of people who are actively looking are now sitting on the sidelines because of the uncertainty in the market. I do understand the number of units is down. When you say that the, the price really isn't down, but if we're not turning if we're not turning the units, then we can't really do an averaging of the pricing quite yet. So that's, that's, that's absolutely right. And and it's a really interesting thing because the housing market is so psychological. The constituents that I talk to in my community, which is the west side of Vancouver, one of the communities that most people acknowledge has been most heavily impacted by international money in the real estate market. Um, my constituents don't think their house is worth any less than it was the day before the tax. So psychologically, they are still at the same price level and they are not about to, if they sell their home, they're not about to, to take a haircut on it. 
it's really the buyers who are hoping that the price is coming down. And frankly, there are a lot more buyers than there are sellers, uh, even at the peak of the Vancouver real estate market supply is an issue here. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens to prices in the long term when we're talking about September and October. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll definitely want to have you back at that time. Now, one of the things, David, if, if, you know, if we take a look and analyze it, of course, we always know that market value is always determined by a willing buyer, willing seller, you know, meeting, meeting of the minds as far as price. If we've got the buyers now starting to sit on the fence a little. We've got some pressure, obviously, on some of these sellers now because they thought their homes had, were sold originally to a foreign buyer. Now, they've you know if the deal has fallen apart, they have to sell because they went out perhaps and bought another property. There's been a lot of those stories rippling through to, to us here. And in that case, will we see a little bit of a downturn because people feel a little bit of desperation because they need to sell? We're seeing some really interesting uh, impacts of the tax. So, uh, for example, uh, tax uh, sales and transactions where there's not a single foreign buyer involved. Uh, I was uh, had a meeting the other day with a man who uh, sold his condo to a family that lives out in Burnaby, and they bought the condo. They'd signed on it before uh, selling their own home. And uh, it's kind of the way that people have been doing it because the market changes so quickly. And having no expectation that they'd have any difficulty selling their home, and then uh, the day after uh, they signed the contract, the tax was announced and the market flattened out. And so the, the family in Burnaby hasn't been able to sell their home. And that's key to them being able to close. Not a single foreign buyer involved here, but now great uncertainty in relation to that condo sale. Uh, the Trump Tower, which is uh, verging on completion here in, in downtown Vancouver, luxury tower definitely marketed, ironically, to the uh, international scene, given Donald Trump's various positions. Uh, the developer on that project is actually actively facilitating people in assigning or selling their uh, pre-sale condo contracts to other people because there are a number of buyers who don't want to close now that the tax is in place or they want to assign it to a friend or a family member uh, instead of closing the deal themselves. So that uh, developer very nervous about the number of people who will actually close at the end of the day. Now, you have a few more developments, obviously, in Vancouver that are being built. Um, do you think that this is going to have a repercussion on them as well? Uh, you know, Trump, Trump's Trump's building, of course, is, is you know front and center right now because it is coming up on closing. But truth be told, I mean, you've, you've got more than just, you know, one or two. You've got quite a few. Um, are we going to see that as well throughout the, throughout your marketplace? Yeah, there, there are thousands of pre-sale contracts out there that are held by people right now across Metro Vancouver. And uh, it's certainly if you see price declines, uh, what you're going to see, I believe, is a significant number of people who, are, who think that they're better off just walking away from the contracts. Now, uh, the likely outcome of that is a lawsuit. But I mean, it, you know, if that's where we're headed is a large number of lawsuits and, uh, and a total mess in the pre-sale condo market. The pre-sale condo market is interesting because as long as you're buying and selling these pre-sale condo contracts, before the closing date, before the date that the building's actually complete and you register it at the land title office, the foreign buyer tax doesn't apply. So this is an area where speculators with international money can still play quite freely uh, buying and selling pre-sale condo contracts. And also we know that there are a lot of domestic speculators who have been buying up uh, pre-sale condo contracts, not ever expecting to have to close on the market close on them at the end of the day. Uh, so, you know, they put down uh, 10% or 15% and they're able to hold it for a year, year and a half while the building's being built. And uh, our market has been increasing so rapidly that they see a huge appreciation on that as if they bought the whole condo itself 
and then they sell it right before the building's complete. Well, if the market's flat, they won't be able to sell. They'll have to close. And the question is, will they be able to close, which could, could also cause some significant chaos in the market. Yeah, because one of the obviously one of the rules is that people require 20% down if it's not a principal residence, if it's deemed to be an investment. And <clears throat> perhaps some of these people never thought that they'd have to come up with that much money. So I think, I think it's going to be one of those things that we definitely have to watch. Just a quick note, I know that um, for yourself, you you were front and center when they when the idea that the data was not given to everybody in a timely fashion uh, when we were taking a look at foreign buyers um, is that uh, do, do we have a better feel now what Vancouver was actually facing with foreign buyers buyer ownership yeah definitely I mean it, we definitely have a better picture we still don't have the total picture because there are two categories that I would I would uh, point out to your listeners the first is a category of someone who holds an international passport does not hold a Canadian passport as being a foreign buyer. And what we've seen examples of foreign buyers, so-called hit by this tax here in BC, are people who work and live uh, and pay taxes full-time in Metro Vancouver who are on work permits, who are highly skilled workers, who are recruited by British Columbia, who now have to pay this tax. And so it, they're called foreign buyers, but really for all intents and purposes, they're domestic, they're living, working, and paying taxes here. So they're included in the statistics, but it does give us a bit of an idea about what's happening. So uh, we saw numbers as high as almost 20% of transactions in Richmond, uh, international buyers, uh, 14% uh, across the region. Um, so it's a very significant number of sales. And not only that, uh, the sales are at the uh, particularly high end. So it's a very uh, significant dollar value for these sales that's involved here. Uh, and it has a very major impact as that money washes through the system. Yeah. It's also important to note that we have a lot of people that hold permanent residence uh, that are not paying taxes here, do not live here, uh, except uh, the minimal amount that's required under the permanent residence uh, requirements. And uh, that international money that those folks are bringing in, uh, which is totally untaxed and, uh, and is uh, money coming from uh, overseas and is being invested in a real estate market, is not captured by any statistic that we can see. So the numbers, uh, the amount of international money in our market may be significantly higher than the statistics that are given to us already. Okay. Well, listen, David, I greatly appreciate you joining us again today. And we look forward to talking to you in the future. And um, a great conversation. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks again for having me. Folks, that was David Ebby, and he's NDP housing critic in BC. When we come back, we've got more, and we've got Romana King joining us. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. So, I, uh, I really enjoyed my conversation with uh, David Ebby. Of course, keeping our eyes on Vancouver is very, very important. We're going to watch and see how flat that market's going to go. Of course, the, uh, the tax itself is having a repercussion for a lot of Canadians. So, let's, uh, let's switch gears and go to one of my favorite guests. Uh, it is Romana King. She is senior editor at MoneySense as well. She is a real estate professional. And uh, welcome to the show, Romana. Thank you, Todd. Always great to have you on. And uh, I got to tell you, this has been an interesting summer. You know, we've had a lot of developments. I mean, for you and I, you know, we've talked throughout the summer. There's a lot of things going on. What's what's your take? How how are we looking? I think it's going to get even more interesting, to tell you the truth. I think that we're in for a season of housing. And I know that it's been, you know, the year or I guess the decade of housing. But I think that it hasn't quite stopped. 
And that doesn't necessarily mean prices are going to keep going up and we're going to still see historical numbers here. I think what we're going to actually see is more interest by all levels of government and by different um, stakeholders in housing itself. So when when you say that, you know, obviously we've got a lot of buyers out there that are, you know, sitting on the fence. We've got the foreign buyers now that are implementing, you know, the, the fact that the taxes came in through BC, you know, they've been scared off. I mean, you know, what, what's your take on BC? Are we going to see a soft landing or are we watching, are we going to watch the sky fall there? Well, I think we were definitely in in the works for soft landing before the foreign buyers tax came in. I think it's going to be a bit more of a harder landing because of the foreign buyers tax. I do think that even though statistically we are not 100% sure that there was a um, a change after the August 2nd deadline, I, I mean, we have seen preliminary numbers, but really we need a bit of time to be able to, be able to see if there was a real impact. Um, but I think that even before the foreign buyer tax came in, deadline was the uh, August 2nd, we, we were already seeing softening. So realtors on the ground there were saying, listen, houses are not being snapped up as quickly. There are certain pockets in West Vancouver and, and Metro Vancouver that houses are not, are not getting multiple bids. They're not selling for the top dollar. That doesn't mean that there weren't people coming in still buying. There was still a bit of a frenzy. But I think we were starting to see the correction before the foreign buyer's tax. Now that the foreign buyer's tax has come in, there's been even more of a correction. We've definitely heard from Calgary where they've seen a lot more interest from foreign buyers, um, all the way to Toronto, where realtors on the ground are saying, listen, a lot more in it. And to be quite frank, they're saying you know, mainland Chinese interested buyers, people that are not in Canada, they are in mainland China. They're coming in and actually looking to see if they can buy properties in Toronto and, and uh, Calgary. You know, it's interesting because, you know, you and I talk on a regular basis and, and it's always great to have a conversation. But, you know, when we when we talked first about this this tax coming in, you know, it's one of those things that we know it's going to play out over the next few months. It's not the knee-jerk reaction one week. But we've seen enough of, uh, you know, deals and, and the reports that are coming through that there's a lot of deals that are falling apart that people don't want to close because of the tax, because they weren't forewarned by it. So they weren't prepared to pay it. You know, one of the things that we have to look at is, are we going to implement this in Toronto? And, you know, according to according to all reports, they're saying they're taking a good look at it. So we've got Kathleen Wynne, John Tory, all looking at this potentially, you know, is there a potential tax to try to cool the market? But, you know, you and I have had this discussion. I don't know if we've got the same number of foreign buyers here in Toronto as they did in Vancouver. And is it is it necessary here? And if they implement it, are they going to be smart enough to give people fair warning? Because in BC, they definitely did not. So what's your take on that? I think you made a great point there. I mean, I think part of the reason why BC got a lot of the BC government got a lot of flack is they just didn't give enough warning. They give six days notice on, you know, transactions that usually have a 30, 60, 90 day shelf life. So people were already in deal, um, in process to actually close, and suddenly they were hit with this extra fee and, and pulled right out. And, you know, they can do that. There are legal clauses that allow them to do that, or they can just decide, you know, the fee is actually more expensive than the legal costs to get out of that contract. So I think if, if they do decide to implement a tax in Toronto or, or anywhere in Canada, they'd certainly be wise to, to consider the fact that real estate has a, a longer shelf life than six days or one week and that we need more time to adjust. That said, I think that the federal government has hinted at the idea of, you know, whether it's a federal initiative or provincial or a municipal initiative, it doesn't, it would certainly help to be more strategic about funneling foreign money into areas where it would benefit. So would Toronto or Vancouver benefit from foreign money? We don't know. We need to actually understand those numbers. And I think that's what they've been doing over the summer is really looking at how many foreign buyers are in these markets. Would it hurt the markets to do 
to deter foreign buyers? And would other parts of Canada benefit from having that money come in? We have to remember that a lot of these people want a safe place to park their money. They're not looking for investments in terms of cash flow. They're not looking to rent these things out. They want an investment that'll keep retain its value over the years so they can get their money out years down the road. Yeah, and one of the things that um, that we've recognized, and 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 I think you know from the from a realtor's perspective, we do know that foreign buyers are throughout the market in Canada because we remain a safe haven and interest rates are fairly low. But when they released the most recent numbers out of BC, when they first did, they were saying between three and a half and five percent were foreign buyers. They then released a new statement that they were then claiming anywhere from fifteen to twenty percent. And if you talk to the realtors on the ground, they were saying that it was a lot closer to fifty. 50%. Mm-hmm. If we analyze the Toronto market, and, and I'm only asking for you to throw out a guesstimation, and you know I won't, I won't hold you to it, but are we, you know, when we talk about foreign buyers here, um, I, I think that it's still a fairly low number. I don't think we are looking at 30 and 50% of foreign buyers. Now, I know we have our speculators in the, in the condominium market, but yet I don't know if we're running the same numbers that they were in BC because BC was very attractive to them. What do you think? Are we, are, are we at that high a number? Uh, I don't. And this is pure speculation on my part. But I think your gut and my gut are saying that, no, we we really don't have that same type of um, activity in this market. And I think it comes actually down to price point. I think the price point in Vancouver for those foreign buyers is actually much, much higher. Um, And so it attracts a different type of foreign buyer. Here, we're going to have foreign buyers that are getting into, say, condos. Condos have a much cheaper price point. You know, you can get a condo for under 500000 in Toronto. That's a good investment. Um, That said, would we hurt the money coming in from foreign buyers if we implemented a tax, we might. I think there are there is quite a bit of activity in certain areas and certain condo markets in the greater Toronto area, and that might hurt those markets. But they're very regional, they're very specific. So it really does depend on, on you know, where you're looking. I, I think, though, you're right. I, I think my gut also says we don't have the same level of activity when it comes to residential investment from foreign buyers. Yeah. So another hot topic, obviously, um, I had uh, Minister uh, Marie Lalonde on a couple of weeks ago, and it's the implementation of making uh, home inspectors actually get certified. Yes. If, I, I think it's a wonderful thing for the industry. What's your take on it? Absolutely. I'm quite surprised that it hasn't happened before. I know that uh, other industries have certainly um, found that self-regulation, although there are hiccups, I think that it's always really important to to have regulation when you're paying for a service. You want some sort of accountability. Home inspectors are sort of the last defense a buyer has before they purchase a very large investment. We need to have some sort of baseline for what what standards they should be held to. And I think that this is a great step towards having those standards solidified and having an option for buyers to be able to actually see, well, you know, what should I actually expect from my home inspector? What am I getting for the money that I pay? Yeah, it's it, it's difficult because, as, as you know, being so unregulated for so many years, you know, a lot of people have come into the business and what they've done is, uh, in, in a lot of ways, especially in bidding wars, the home inspection is taking less and less time. You know, I've had, I've had people come back to me and say, Todd, you know, we had a home inspection, it took a half an hour. And <laughs> as I picked my jaw up off the ground, I thought to myself, okay, did they even get out of their car? car. And unfortunately, in the industry, if they're able to mandate that they have to meet a certain criteria, I think it's going to be wonderful. But at the same time, does this mean that potentially that we're going to see an increase in the cost of home inspections because now they're, they're taken a little bit more seriously and people are going to be able to force the price up a little? 
I think yes, and I think it won't actually be the the price being forced up. I think what you're going to do is you're going to get the the curbsiders, the people that are charging such cut rate uh, fees that don't have the qualifications, they're going to be knocked out of the industry. And that's going to leave the reputable home inspectors in the industry charging the rates that we should have been paying in the first place. You know, if you're getting a, and you know, I, I posted a, a blog about this, about the home inspectors actually getting regulated. And I mentioned the lowest rate that I knew going, which was about $200. And a lot of people responded, and I think it was quite accurate. They said, you know, if you're paying $200, you're not getting a, a proper home inspection. And I agree with them. I think you should be paying close to $500 for a home inspection. If you're going to spend a couple of hours and Inspecting a house, I want to make sure that you inspect the house, look at everything, analyze, give me a full report. And that should take a couple of hours, which should take a couple of hundred dollars. And I don't mind paying $500 if I know that I'm, I'm going to plunk down half a million or a million dollars for a house. $500 is a drop in the bucket to know exactly what I'm paying for. Yep. No, I agree 100%. Um, Romano, always a pleasure. Love having you on. Thank you so much for joining me today and look forward to talking to you real soon and keep uh, talking about real estate. So Thank you so much, Todd. Thank you. And when we come back, we've got Dave Butler joining us from Butler Mortgage. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Um, If you're just joining us, you're listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. Just before the break, I was talking to Ramana King. Uh, Always great to have her as a guest. Uh, She's senior editor at Money Sense Magazine. And I got to tell you, interesting stuff, obviously, in the world of real estate. Uh, Some changes for home inspections. Of course, we're all sitting on the edge of our seat to find out if Ontario eventually is going to put in the foreign buyer tax and could it affect Ontario? Well, you know, as I promised, I'm going to have uh, Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage join me now. Dave is a, uh, you know, a constant guest here. Always great to have him on board. And Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate it. So, Dave, you know, it's been an interesting summer. We <laughs> have had all sorts of uh, different things happening. I just, uh, just so you know, I had D, uh, David Ebby. He is uh, the NDP opposition spokesperson for housing in BC, just on before you. Um, and, you know, he's telling me that, you know, they're starting to see a rippling effect in the BC market for the foreign buyer tax and mm-hmm. that it is, you know, its numbers are down, not, not necessarily purchase price, but the actual number of units being sold is is quite a bit down. In fact, one of the biggest adjustments they've seen. And, you know, his take on it is that maybe maybe prices will stay pat. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. Um, You know, from the mortgage world, I know one of the things for yourselves, you guys are always finding out where the hot markets are. Um, Is Toronto still chugging along? Are we looking at, uh, you know, hot markets being Hamilton as well? Yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, from what I've seen, just as far as data goes, uh, Ontario, I believe by the end of the year, will end up showing a record number. Uh, We're still seeing, uh, as as you're saying, we're still seeing a lot of these bidding wars. Um, It hasn't really slowed down. Uh, August turned out to be another record month. So obviously, uh, just getting through uh, the end of month August was a challenge, I think, for everyone in the industry. So that just goes to show that there definitely is still immense activity happening in Ontario, uh, specifically definitely Toronto. I mean, that has not slowed down to what I can see. And we are seeing these other markets like Hamilton just exploding. Uh, I had a 
client who purchased a single-family home in Hamilton in 2013 in the summer there. Uh, just finished getting it appraised. They had bought it for 281, just got it appraised at 405. So there are some serious, serious increases going on over in the Hamilton and Burlington areas. Well, you know, it's interesting, Dave, because we um, we had Ray Ferris. He is the president of the Ontario Real Estate Association on last week. And one of his comments to me was, even the outer markets are now starting to see multiple offers. And outer markets being, you know, small town Ontario, you know, 5,000, you know, population, 6,000 population, that kind of thing. And we're actually seeing these marketplaces get, you know, multiple offers. It's something, it's new to them. Uh, you know, as you know, we've done a new development in Sarnia with speaking with some agents down there. They said, look, we can't keep inventory. You know, every time we list something, it's sold within a day or two. Wow. So all of these marketplaces in the outer markets are still seeing, you know, solid growth. Again, when we talk about Toronto, um, you know, if, if they implement the foreign buyer tax, do you think we're going to see a major adjustment? We could. I mean, I guess it depends on the reverberations of what happens for, with the foreign buyers now with the BC tax, because I think we can all agree that if they're now going to continue buying in Canada, one of the next best places is going to be Ontario. So if they were putting their money in the BC market, they no longer want to do that because of the tax, and they're going to be looking elsewhere, I would imagine Ontario is going to be next on their hit list. So certainly, I guess, depending on what happens with that, will depend on a future Ontario tax and how it will impact everybody. But, uh, you know, at least I think as well as what you're hearing is that so far there's, there's been not, not really any ground picked up as far as this Ontario tax, uh, as far as it, you know, mimicking the same thing with B.C. So uh, I think at least we'll have some time to see how this affects Ontario with these foreign buyers as far as are they going to continue to still put their money in Canada and where are they going to put it in then if they're not going to BC. So speaking of Canadian money, one that's going to be close to you, obviously we're taking a look at Prime. You know, there's been some rumours that uh, we might even have a, a rate reduction in the near future. Is this something that we should be looking at or do you think that we're going to be okay? Well, I definitely don't see the arrow pointing up as far as rates moving up. I just saw a report earlier this week that inflation for the last uh, quarter was uh, certainly on a low point. Uh, it, was unex- it was an unexpected low amount. Um, so definitely when you have inflation not hitting its targets, it's certainly very hard for the government to increase prime. Um, and as, as you mentioned, uh, there's been some chatter, at least, uh, you know, as far as uh, people that are in the industry, that we may even see a decrease. So uh, you know, a lot of it depends on, I think, how rough things are out in central Canada. Uh, central Canada obviously has been hammered with the oil. Um, there has not been much of a rebound effect so far, at least. Uh, so there, it's kind of a continued drag over there. And I think that's certainly bringing down our overall numbers in Canada. And by virtue of that, um, I don't believe certainly that rates are in the upward direction. If anything, they are in a constant and potentially moving down. And I know we've talked about this before, but we've got interest rates in major, major international markets like England, uh, fixed rates in the ones. So uh, a lot of people say, hey, can the rates go any lower than what they are now in Canada? I mean, being in the low twos and mid twos for five-year fixed rates, I think the answer is they can. I mean, you know, if you asked me this three years ago, I might have told you, nah, there's no way. 
But uh, when you look at what's going on across the globe, uh, there's definitely opportunity for them to continue to go down. Uh, you know, certainly not by another two or three percent because we're going to be at negative that by that point. But there is some room for them to still go down. Yeah, and when when people just so so people are understand, Dave, when rates go down, let's say we have a quarter point reduction, that has more effect to the people that are working with the variable rates as opposed to let's say the fixed rates. Do the banks do a knee jerk reaction right out of the gate and and do a reduction to the fixed rates, or do they normally let it float for a while? They'll usually let it flow for a while. There, a lot of it is they want to they want to kind of see you know whether or not. Uh, what the impact really was on the decrease. And a lot of it, obviously, with the fixed rates, it's correlated directly to the bonds. So uh, you'll, you'll definitely get a reaction to what has happened, but certainly it is a staggered reaction. Um, you know, and the other thing when we talk about reduction in primes is, you know, the last two reductions that we saw in 2015, they weren't fully uh, taken on by the banks. So as, you, as we all know, the government dropped it by a quarter, uh, quarter point, and the governments or the banks only accepted 0.15 of that. So, you know, that, that's another thing we have to look at. If they do reduce prime, will we get the full effect? Uh, is that going to happen? Or are the banks going to only recognize another 0.15? And that's something we haven't seen in the past as far as the banks not mimicking exactly what the government has done. So there's a lot of unknowns that are happening right now. Right. But what we do know, of course, when we deal with Butler Mortgage, you're going to get the best rates. Um, <laughs> so so let, let, let's, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about just mortgages right now, what's going on in, in, in the world of mortgages. We're looking at some rates, obviously, as you've mentioned, you know, you've got your 2.5% kind of floating around in some of your fixed rates. You're looking at some variables. Um, you, you feel pretty confident, and I know you and I have had this discussion, that we feel that rates are going to kind of stay put for the next, you know, few years because of everything that's happening in Canada, the world, you know, our exports are off, you know, our, our economy is, you know, kind of struggling, obviously, not so much in Ontario, but everywhere else, so which is dragging down the overall effect. But ultimately, in the end, are people better advised to go to a variable rate or should they go to a fixed rate? And this is one of those things that people always ask the question, should they go to a fixed or a variable? Uh, the, the, the classic mortgage question. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, right now, I think when you have uncertainty, uh, you know, in, in, the, in our market, in the global markets, I certainly think a variable rate is not a negative play. I think it has its advantages, whereas if prime does go down, you will benefit from that. On the flip side, though, when you have fixed rates this low, um, you know, you start to see, uh, you know, some diminishing returns by taking a slight gamble on the variable. So, you know, a lot of it, I believe, comes down to intentions with the property itself. What are you doing with it? What is it? Is it a home you're going to be living in for the next 20 years? Is it a home that you're buying as a rental property? A lot of that's going to come into whether or not you go fixed or variable. But, you know, right now, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm very much 50-50 in terms of, you know, what's better, what's not, because they're both financially very, very good products and where they're priced at is very, very optimal. But I think a lot of it now, you know, a good mortgage broker is going to be trying to find out what's the best product based on what your intentions are with the property? Because that certainly is something we need to look at. If this is a property that the people are going to own for the next 10 years, you know, and it's their own home that they live in, is it, going to be, is it worth it to go and gamble on that variable for that little difference? Or do we just lock it in? And then vice versa, on a variable rate, you know, if we have a rental property, maybe it makes more sense to be on a variable. The interest is tax deductible. So can, we can handle any fluctuations. You know, some of that, as long as there's enough cash flow, we can look at that. So a lot of times, I'm right now, I'm 
I'm I'm I'm either or. I think it is a lot based on the customer, you know, themselves and their intentions. Excellent. Well, Dave, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us today, and uh, you know, we'll keep you. We'll have you update us every once in a while, so we know what's going on with the market. So thanks. Appreciate so much it. For as always, Todd. Thank okay. You. Thanks, Dave. That was Dave Butler, folks, from Butler Mortgage, and of course, always great to have him on and listen to his perspective on interest rates and what mortgage you should be taking. You know, um, I got to tell you, it's one of those things, you know, it's it really is a 50-50. I'm kind of on the fence on both. I don't want to sound too much like a politician, but, and non-committal to something. I think people with variable rate, if you got a strong stomach, go to the variable rate. If you want to fall asleep and forget about your mortgage, then by all means, go to a five-year fixed because, again, the rates are quite quite attractive at this time. And uh, don't forget, go to simpleinvestor.com if you're thinking of buying investment real estate. Um, I believe we've probably only got a couple left of our last development for 2016 located in the Sarnia Corona area, townhomes, uh, three bedrooms, and sitting at $100,000, Again, great opportunity. Like I said, I think we're down to our last two or three, maybe at most. And if you're interested, uh, you know, go to the Simple Investor com today find out more we will be programming a fall seminar in the near future and uh, if you're interested like I said that's where you go the simpleinvestor.com hey listen uh, I want to thank all my guests David Ebby Romana King Dave Butler for joining us today I want to thank my producer Robert Turner and uh, and Ian Grant of course for always keeping me on track here and more importantly I want to thank you for joining joining me uh, each week at 4 p.m here at News Talk 1010. I love talking about real estate and of course uh, being able to work with you our listeners is always a pleasure and an honor and uh, once again thanks so much for tuning in I'm your host Todd C. Slater and I will see you next week at 4pm 